Hello, frog residents, Kermit speaking. Oh, hello, Mr. Iger. Yes, sir, it's an honor to speak with you. Thank you. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I have heard of the Three Sheets to the Mouse podcast. Um, yeah, I guess they're funny, but I don't really approve of their language. It's not something that me and Piggy want our little tablets to be listening to. But, uh, Fozzie, he, he loves them. I'm sorry, Mr. Iger, what... What do you mean I... You thought I could use the work? It's closing? Torn down? Galaxy's Edge? Now you listen here! Just because I'm a puppet doesn't mean I'll just bend over and take it. If you tear down Muppet Vision, I'll shove more than just a hand in your butt, Bob. I know it sounds sorted, but you'll be rewarded when at last I am given my dues. And justice deliciously squared Be free <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to episode 164 of Three Sheets the Mouse We're the podcast that likes to focus on the adult side of Disney From the parks to the movies to the dining We'll cover everything Disney has to offer including their drinks I'm Mikey, and tonight I'm joined by two guys that put the gin in a mad gin-earing. Tim? Hello. Adam? That's what you asked me, what the gin that I liked, that I couldn't get right was? Yeah, hey, listen. Th- that line is usually the hardest part of every episode, but, and but, I was really, I was really impressed that I came up with puts the gin in a mad gin-earing. But then why'd you need you to know the brand? The brand name. Well, because I'm going to tell the listeners to pour yourself some drum shambow gunpowder gin and set back <laughs> while we adult around Disney together. Ah, together. Yeah. <laughs> Forever together. No, together, we, 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 we swim I don't know. There's together. a song there. <laughs> Is that Fountain of Nations or something? Yeah, it's from Nemo, the musical. Oh, oh, I should. You know what? I should. I should pirate that. I mean, I should purchase that. <laughs> I don't even think it's for sale anymore, honestly. Well, then back to pirate that. <laughs> <laughs> was it? I don't think it was ever for yeah, sale. When the show first opened, they used to sell the soundtrack. Right out of the theater. Oh, the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty solid it's you a pretty solid set stuff. of music. And when we we've gushed over the Unitard, uh, matter of fact, two episodes ago, I believe. But uh, yeah, it, Nemo, the Big Blue World. It's a, it's a solid solid soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I, just keeps swimming. It was, it was so good that it, it took me a while to realize that the Big Blue World is not in the movie. <laughs> nope. Nope. The really, I think the only song that gets sung in the movie is "Just Keep Swimming." Yeah, but it, nope, nope, mi, nope. Uh, Mr. Ray sings a whole thing about the ocean, the, the zone, oh, yeah. And then he sings fast, and I can't keep up yeah. with it. But he doesn't do the Beach Boys feeling song like he does in the no. show. No, no, no. But but that that'd be like a cool song to learn for no good damn reason at a party. Which one? 
the Mr. Ray song. Oh. And it, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Animaniac singing about the countries. Oh, no. That's the one of my spectacular fucking writing right there is what that is. Yes. Uh, off topic that we haven't started yet, I got Aaron Lo- Aaron Lotso to sing uh, a little bit of Istanbul, not Constantinople, a couple weeks ago. I did, just as a joke, I put it in there as a request, and he gave me he gave me like uh, like like two verses, and all I can think of is I will be damned. <laughs> I should have asked for Particle Man I, if I, I had known that I was going to get Istanbul. I should have asked for Particle Man. Just. Can, you know, you want to do a Garth Brooks tribute? Just give me a "They Might Be Giants" tribute. We're gonna call it good. Oh man, particle man. Well, uh, good evening, shooters, and we are not talking about Particle Man. They might be giants. We're not reminiscing about Aaron Lotso any more than we have to. Uh, but we do want to talk a little bit about some good writing. And tonight, I think we're going... No, I don't think it, because we discussed this at length for the past, <laughs> for the past 12 hours. show for you, where we just don't know what the fuck we're talking about tonight. <laughs> that was last week, Adam. Surprise! <laughs> that was last week. Um, <laughs> if, if you've been on this self-isolating quarantine business for a little while, like we all have, you've probably spent a fair amount of time on Disney+. Plus. And if you were under a rock when Disney Plus launched, then you probably missed out on the Imagineering story, which is, I mean, I, I don't know. that That's right up. I think it's Imagineering story, Jeff Goldblum, and just everything else as far as like the Disney originals or like their uh, non-fictional type oh, things no, they no. put out. Shop class. Shop class. Oh, I've only seen one episode of that. Really the one good. where they made the little libraries. I need to. I need to finish those. Even though I really can't get into the host. He's all, he's not awful. He's a little weird, but yeah. It's it, it. He seems Justin Long seems a yeah. little out of place there. Just like like watching Lego Masters with uh, Will Arnett just seems a little out of place. And I also like the cooking show that they have now. Oh, the VR Chef. Yeah, I haven't... Okay, with all due respect, and I mean all due respect, I've not looked at those. No, it's when the them. families are cooking. That's not Be Our Chef? It might be, I don't know. We just yeah, like this. Yeah, it was Be Our Chef. It might be Be Our Chef, but there's this one little girl who's just all over the fucking place. <laughs> that would be my kid. She's <laughs> always getting yelled at by the host. Oh, what are you doing over gonna... here? <laughs> you shouldn't be over here. Why is the magic spoon sticky? This okay. I gotta watch that. I gotta watch that. Then I'm I'm in already. Why is the magic spoon sticky? This is the only quote I need to think. That's what I need to be watching because that's something I would ask my kids if I had a magic spoon. Oh. I would say, why is my magic spoon sticky? I think Tim fell in love with her when she was giving death looks to the other team at the beginning of one of the. Oh episodes. yeah, when they yeah. How old is she? Maybe like four. Like, yeah, she's a little. Maybe four. Yeah, she's little, like three or okay. four years old. She's she's tiny. I but thought, she's like, she has an adult attitude. Yes. <laughs> I thought I was off topic talking about. Well, this is still kind of on topic because it's Disney Plus. It is, it is yeah. Disney Plus. Um, 
But speaking, you know, getting getting back. Thank you, Tim, for helping get us back on the tracks here. Uh, speaking of Disney Plus, one of you know the the top things on there is if you're an if you're an adult or even a kid or a kid at heart or anything, the Imagineering story, which goes into you know some pretty good detail and behind the scenes of a lot of the um, prominent Disney attractions. I think it, it's almost as close as we get to an official Disney behind the scenes TV series. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I, I really, I don't know if they're doing a second season. I would hope they do because I know the first one delved a lot onto the older attractions. And, and don't get me wrong, that's what they should have started with because learning about, you know, um, everything from uh, it's a small world with and in the haunted mansion and so on and so forth. Those original attractions. That was great, but I would like to see some some contemporary stuff, but, or or even the in between stuff. You know, to see how it should move the same way technology moves. Well, I haven't. I think the season because yeah. Tim still hasn't seen Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I haven't it, seen. It, yeah, I haven't seen. Rise and of obviously, yet, so. it does not move with the way technology mm-hmm. moves. I'm pretty sure they put that one in. They're like, "Oh no, we spent a lot of money to open up this oh, land yeah. and this ride. I, we need our 60 minute commercial." Oh, without a doubt, because yeah, well, that premiered when right when Rise of Resistance opened. I think. Yes, it did. So of course they're gonna shoehorn that one in there. But there, I think there's still so many hours and hours and hours of oh, stories yeah, to be told that. regarding the imagination or the imagineering and the imagineers' imaginations. Can't do that With without figment. Do. Just saying. Um, here we go, folks. <sighs> mm-hmm. Man's favorite ride has Eric Idle's face covered in clay on the moon. Or as Todd would tell me, call me a tits. <laughs> <laughs> So this week, um, we thought we would kind of pay homage to the Imagineering story from Disney Plus and do a horrible attempt <laughs> at showcasing some of uh, Disney royalty Imagineers. And originally, we were going to focus on one specific Imagineer, but we ca- kind of found out that a lot of these guys don't... I mean, there's not like a lot of backstory on an individual person necessarily. Yeah. We're not blessed to be Jim Hill with all these personal private stories that he's got. <laughs> or yes. Even, or we can even get an interview with any of them because, I mean. Well, they, yeah, no, they would listen to one episode and be like, I ain't going on that shit. Yep, pretty much. Well, my, my Imagineer's dead, so. Uh, mine's dead. Adam, is yours dead? No, I think he's still alive. Well, still you're the odd man out. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mine He's not exactly... Did not. Actually, I wouldn't call him a spring if, chicken. If anybody <laughs> would do it, it would be it would be Adam's Imagineer. He's, he'll do anything yeah. at this point. He goes on anything. Well, he's, he's super active. He still does a lot of like stuff. Like, with my Imagineer, I could have went on so many different tangents because of all this other stuff he's involved with. And there's a lot of words on that, but... Not as much as I wanted in the Disney because he wrote a book and I haven't read the book yet because I couldn't read the book in enough time to do the podcast. It's it, 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 there's a travesty of errors. <laughs> I understand you are unprepared for tonight's episode. That's basically what that came down to. You know what? Chip and Dale figure it out. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly, what I got from all that is um, 
we need to send him an email because he's still kicking. Oh, yeah. And that's what I would... T- oh, that's yeah. the subject. So you're still alive. And then I will break <laughs> everything down in the main body of the email. <laughs> Everybody else was dead but you. Can we talk dot, to dot, you for dot. a little bit? <laughs> Can we get an interview before you're gone? <laughs> It's cool. You can cuss a lot. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> and I'm sure that's, he does. That's all we've got. Um, but yeah, okay. So back to Imagineering. Um, what is Imagineering? I, I know most everybody should have a handle on that because we have our armchair Imagineer. And obviously, you know, we fawn over uh, the Church of Joe with Bro Rody. But, um, you know, in, in the world of Walt Disney, they, they, they like to say that Imagineering is the creative engine that designs and builds all Disney theme parks, resorts, attractions, cruise ships worldwide and oversees the creative aspects of Disney games, merchandise, product development and publishing businesses. That's their um, corporate motto f- for what an Imagineer is. I don't want to, you know, poo-poo on anybody who happens to be an Imagineer, but I don't really like to lump merchandising and games and publishing business into, like, Imagineering. When I think of an Imagineer, I think of they, you know, put the backstory into this area. They helped with the uh, building of this project, this ride, this resort. You know, they have plussed my experience in the park. I, 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 don't, I don't normally think of Imagineers as someone who creates, I mean, I don't know, Disney's Emoji Blitz or whatever the hell they call All it. All right, but would you consider a chef to, and can be chef an Imagineer then? I wouldn't. Why? Because he's a, I mean, because what he's doing isn't, and, th- and this is me, and I understand going into this, I'm, go- I'm, I'm about to to get read the riot act. No, I understand you are that behaving. now. Um, Tim might not, but I am for once. <laughs> I, I, I mean, listen, this I don't think of a chef as an imagineer. I think of them. Uh, don't get me wrong; they are a very important part in a specific area. And I'm not well educated on what the chefs do at Disney World because I know they're not really cooking. They're responsible for making the menu and making sure everything comes out okay, which sounds a lot like Imagineering. But just when you say Imagineering to me, I think of, you know, that that dude with the mullet on the Imagineering story. You see, but I told I they come up with the dishes and they if it's a themed restaurant, they got to come up with a themed meal. I get that. I, I, but I, t- I, but you, you told you me, ask me what I think. I can't be wrong. You can be wrong because you talked <laughs> no. about, yes, you can. Because it's you talked opinion, a lot about I'm your right. opinion is wrong. Well, <laughs> that's rude. <laughs> no, I mean, but they're probably not technically called Imagineers at Disney, but I, I could, could see them having the same similar responsibilities and. I would think that being a chef, to be quite honest, is more personal and has a greater level of, of creativity and managing than being an Imagineer. See, but somebody had to come up with the recipe. Somebody had to come up with the idea for Ronto Roasters. You talked about being all-inclusive. You talked about being part of an area. Well, part of an area is food. Part of an Ronto area. Roasters is a hot dog in a flatbread. Yes, but they came up with the name. They came up with the look. 
the yeah, Satuli Cantina. With the name. Satuli Cantina with that little cake thing. That little blue gelatin oh, thing. Oh no, I, I know what you're talking about. The, the, the hamburger pods. Those are good. But that had to come from somewhere. I, I'm just saying that to, and you for talk me, about a, a head chef, a lead chef, a, a main sorry, chef guy, I have a hard time putting them in the same category as an Imagineer. I don't put them lower than, okay? The Imagineers, to me, are normally idea guys, and and then they work on, you know, the the engineering, you know, part of it. Like, they would so why theme is an the restaurant. an Imagineer and not just the creator and Imagineer? I think that typically in the world of Disney, you to be an Imagineer, you have to have some background in engineering. I don't. You have to have some background in story. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. Well, it, we'll get to it. When... It's not necessarily engineering. You have to have a background in story. <clears throat> well, I. But okay, that's yes. why there's different. But engineering is helpful. But you, for the same reason why a chef wouldn't be an Imagineer, your engineer wouldn't be an Imagineer. It's the play on the specific word of engineer. No. You got to yes. no. Yes. Yes. So, so, so if but, you're trying to say a bus driver, a person who works on buses, an Imagineer. No. So, but they they can be an They're engineer. A or, okay, so a mechanical engineer is that better? Is that a better term for you? The mechanical engineer builds the parts that go on the bus. The mechanic okay, pulls so them out. A mechanical and makes it engineer run more would be the one in Imagineering. He's still a mechanical engineer. I, you know, this conversation's fast becoming a conversation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. <laughs> you, this conversation's coming becoming confrontational. <laughs> all I was trying to say is that Disney Mobile games, those aren't really Imagineers. Um, they actually sold that division. They are no longer in that market. That that's well okay. You know what? The blurb I found. That's what it says. I know, but they don't longer. They spun it up. They are no longer. Oh, part yeah, I of, know. They that don't Disney have any gaming anymore. Yeah, it's not anything. Except apparently, everybody likes opening up pretend packages of trading cards now. Yeah, but that's <laughs> tops. Tops spun it's it tops. off. It's not. Um, it's. Oh gosh, what was it called? They licensed it out. It was D. There was a Disney Interactive. Is what yeah, yeah. the old gaming company used to be. It's gone. It does Disney Interactive doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. They suck too much money into infinity. Well, it wasn't even the sinking of the money into infinity. It was just it they to keep that technology and keep up to date on that technology just didn't make sense for them. Yeah, no. It you're entirely right. It's much easier well, to outsource and sell the license <coughs> and then still have control over the end product at the end of the day than actually to create, try to create the product yourself all the time. Yep. And that is video game publishing in a nutshell. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. It's like, no, I want full control over the back end, but you guys work really hard on the front end, and then I'll tell you to, to nope, I don't like it, start over. Pretty much. <laughs> Which really, I, you know what? Maybe I'm coming around because that sounds like what a day in the life of an Imagineer might actually be when you spend a whole lot of time working on something and then your supervisor comes around and says, uh, probably not. Go back and, and fix this. I want a pile of blue shit for cheesecake. 
in Pandori. Mm-hmm. And they have to come and, up with I mean, the... it. Truth be told, that is probably the most out of this world thing I've ever visually seen, and it tasted as described. <laughs> I didn't hate it. And I didn't, ha- no, I'm saying it was like a blueberry cheesecake. It tasted as described. It tasted like what I thought. Well, you said you first called it a blueberry shit, so I didn't know. Well, be, it, it, yeah, because it looks like someone's just, you know, okay, grabbing. If your shit glistens like that, you have a fucking problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I should probably go to the doctor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Stat. It's not a staph infection, Tim. Sounds like he's been eating Smurfs. You know what? Since apparently Adam knows everything about Imagineering, I'm going to let you go first with with the Imagineer that you didn't necessarily choose, but was chosen for you. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we'll pitter patter on That's how things work, folks. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. So the Imagineer that I got... Voluntold to pick was Robert Henry Gurr, also known as Bob Gurr. Bob was actually born on October 25th, 1931, in Los Angeles, California. And he was always like into construction as a kid and all that fun jazz. Um, he attended Art Center College of Design in Los Angeles on a General Motors scholarship. GM scholarships. Yes. I didn't even know GM offered scholarships, or even if they still do, but um, he actually was major was uh, industrial design. Um, in 1952, he was hired by Ford Motor Company, but he actually purchased a rubber stamp marked HRGAR Industrial Design and went into business himself shortly after working for Ford. Damn. Yeah. Now, he was originally hired by WD Enterprises, which was what Imagineering was called before it was Imagineering. Mm-hmm. And he was actually hired just to consult on the design for the car- mini cars for Autotopia. You know, our favorite lovely smelling attraction. I think the Disneyland version is better than what's in Disney World. It just is. from what I've seen. But maybe it's like a nostalgia thing in the style of the cars. Well, didn't they... Upgrade the motors in California too. Yes, California is they're powered by clean Honda motors now. Yeah, still gasoline, but they're clean four-stroke. Why motors. wouldn't you just do that unless you had something bigger in line? But even then, why, 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 why wouldn't well, you do that in Disney World? Because originally just, they were closing it in Disney World for Tron. Supplies, they didn't. Exactly, so they moved it over. So I'm sure the cars are eventually coming, but who knows? But Walt Disney was so impressed by him that he actually asked him to join in with WED Enterprises at that point and become an Imagineer pretty much. So without Gurry, we wouldn't have the following. So we wouldn't have the flying saucers in um, Disneyland. That antique cars and double-decker buses that go up and down Disney's Main Street, USA. My personal favorite, the Doom Buggies. Um, you also wouldn't have the monorail and the submarine voyage, which is no longer. Well, it's still it's still in Disneyland, but no longer in Disney World. He actually gave himself his own title. 
I love that. That 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 is balls. That is fucking balls, man. And his own title was the director of special vehicle development. And most of these are known as Germobiles. To like Disney that. nerds that... and stuff. But look, that he gave himself his own title, I think that's awesome. He probably even had the shit cool. on his door. For, oh, hell just, yeah. Just because. Oh, just yeah, I'm sure. fucking because, you know. I love he got that. his own rubber stamp and everything. It just, like, you know, decided this is my new title. So his hobby was basically buying rubber stamps. He also had a big hand at helping design the inner mechanics for the audio-animatronic... Oh, yeah. Audio-animatronic Abraham Lincoln, used with great moments with Mr. Lincoln. So, he, and he lasted for about 30 years or so. He actually retired, and he opened his own firm at that point called Gur Design Incorporated. And I don't remember this because I didn't see this concert, but he created light spiders and other effects for the Jackson Victory Tour. I, I couldn't tell you. This had to be in the 80s, though. It was in the 80s. Yeah, I remember that tour. I didn't see it, so... They, they broadcast it on TV. Yes, it was, but it, it was, I, I just don't remember it. Um, in 84, he created the UFO spectacle that closed out the opening ceremony in the 1984 Summer Olympics. Also in 84, he joined with a former Imagineer, Dave Schwinginger. That's not French. I can't. <laughs> it, no, that's coming. Mm-hmm. And he actually, they actually found another company together called the Sequoia Creative and did some work for the park that shall not be named. Oh, is that the place that ended up with Beastly Kingdom? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, he actually helped create the 30-foot-tall King Kong Encounter animatronic and also the animatronic serpent in the adventure of Conan, a sword and sorcery spectacular. <laughs> And I thought for sure I was going to stumble over all those S's. <laughs> so many spectacular S's in this piece. <laughs> yes, too much. All right. Also, um, now this is where I'm in trouble. Now, over at Big Bang Chetrumpf, and this is now Wally Gator Park in France, there's a giant animatronic of the Tunnel du Temps stump show. And in 1997, somebody named Steve Wynn hit him up for some advice. Um, he was building a hotel over in Las Vegas, and he wanted to actually sink a ship every night mm. on the main strip. So that's where we get the seven, the Treasure Island Hotel, which is now TI. I don't even know if they do the ship sinking anymore, but... I, I've uh, seen it. I'm, I'm so fortunate to have been able to be on the strip at the time it was going on and seen the... Uh, it's it's a stage show is what it is, basically, where they come yes. out. And it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, like, two ships come out, and like one goes like, damn, this is a lot of shit going on right here. And just, uh, you know, knowing that... Knowing now that that was, you know, a Disney alum had his hand in that... Mm-hmm. Uh, why didn't we have the ship actually sink on pirates, Bob? If you're listening. Because I don't. Well, this was also. <laughs> think about when Pirates of the Caribbean opened to when this happened. Oh. <laughs> the math checks out. 
Yes. Also, um, he also helped consult for a T-Rex animatronic in Jurassic Park and the animatronic used for 1998's Godzilla. He's a busy guy. Yeah. yeah. And, and still kicking. Yes, he also um, still um, consults with Disney still. So, um, he actually has a memoir. Um, it's called Design Just for Fun, and it was released in 2012. That's old. Well, it's out of print. It's only eight years old, and, you know, I just kind of looked it up, just for shits and giggles, to see how much it would cost me to try to get a hold of this book. The cheapest surprise I saw was $500. Holy shit. Lot of Bob Gurr fans. No, the most expensive price I saw was nine hundred dollars. I think this this should probably go back into print um, be, with with the success of Disney Plus, the Imagineering story, and all of us adults that crave this information from behind the scenes. He, it, I this came out a little before its time. Well, I also don't know <clears throat> if Disney actually published it. So I don't know if it's... I don't know who the publisher was. I didn't dig that deep. But um, he also came out with a um, Bob Girl Legendary Imagineer Life and Times. And this was independently published. So if it was an independent publish, he might not just have the money to run another sure. series of books. And this came out May 1st, 2019. Oh, so we need to get a hold of somebody and get that reprinted. And then we'll No, well, this one profits. you can get on like... Um, like almost Amazon, I want to say you can get it if you're like Kindle, whatever Kindle Plus books, whatever the heck it is. Um, can we get Tim to read the Audible version of it? I'm just trying to get something for three sheets right now, okay? <laughs> so, some awards and honors that he was awarded in 1999. Um, he was awarded the Themed Entertainment Associates Thea Award for Lifetime Achievement. In 2004, in a ceremony at the Disney Studios, Gar was inducted as a Disney legend, and he has also received the honor of having his name appear on Main Street USA windows. So in Disneyland, the window seen above the Disney clothiers on Main Street reads, Leading the race to the future, Meteor Psycho Company, our vehicles pass the test of time, fast, faultless, and fadless. Bob Gurr designed Impersiara. Imperci- I don't know how to say this word. <laughs> Im- how do you t- I-M-P-E-R-S-A-R-I-O. Impersario. That, yeah, that. Impersario. <clears throat> also, in Magic Kingdom, of course, above Main Street Fashion Apparel, it's the Big Real Cole Horseless Carriages by Bob Gurr. Which goes back to him being the head honcho of weirdcardesign.com slash Exactly. And he's also a big um, bike aficionado. Really? So, yeah, like actual, like, pedal bikes. So. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he does a lot of stuff. I mean, it was easier to find what he's up to now than what he was up to then. And I think a lot of it is because it's in the books that he kind of wants you to buy. But, well, you know, hey. <laughs> if, if we had something for sale, we'd tell you about it toward the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> and in 
And that's really all I got. Um, oh, come on. Come on now. You're going to skip the part that everybody everybody knows about that I just want to talk about because it's my favorite what, thing. What, that he was in a TV show and shot a hoop? Yes! That he was, like, pretty responsible for the Matterhorn business. I mentioned that he was part of the Matterhorn. Yeah, but but he shot a hoop. In, in his... Uh, I swear those were Velcro shoes. Oh, no, I didn't mention that he was part They're of the Motorhorn. Yeah, he, he... I skipped it. He was a big part of that, and his, he's, well, he just see, recently the, the signed his is, name. When you really look at it, they all were part... Like, all the, the Imagineers of the time were all part of all the attractions. I know. In some I, way, shape, or form. And, that, and that's where I was, like... <laughs> I can't... I don't want to, like, bump into other people's. I know, and the biggest reason he was on the Imagineering story is because he's alive. He's alive. <laughs> yeah, he's alive. That's pretty and much it. Listen, I'm not gonna try to lie and say I, I, I. You know, yeah, it probably took 78 takes to get him to sink one free throw. Oh no, that wasn't him that sunk that. You're probably you know that right. was spliced together. <laughs> but that was really him that put his name and signed his yes. name inside. Which well, he also signed his name in Disney World somewhere. Yeah, and you know what? He hasn't stopped signing his name on the Matterhorn. <laughs> no, I saw he just had a, a new batch of Matterhorn statues yes, that he and was you signing. Can own one for like 150 bucks. I it just looking okay. I've never been to Disneyland, so I I don't know what the Matterhorn really looks like. Except in my brain, it's like a mountain thing. And then looking at what he was signing, I look at that and I just think, I I don't I don't know what this is. I don't. It looks is it a like cannoli? a mountain. It kind of looks like a mountain. I mean. I get it, but I don't think it's 100 worth 150 bucks. No, listen, if you want to sign something of the Matterhorn, get me, like, you know, a, a file photo from yes. 1965 or whatever of opening day with the Matterhorn and, and, and sign that shit, you know? That's something I would hang on the wall. What he's been signing... <sighs> it's a ceramic cast of somebody's 3D print of the Matterhorn. It's Yeah, it's not... If it had, like, the coaster on there... If it had there, the coaster part, yes. I but, was just thinking but, the exact but, same but thing. But then you'd have to pay uh, Big Daddy Mickey a little a little chump change to get it done, and nope. Well, would you? I th yeah, if you have their ride because, vehicle on if, there, if, I bet if, you do. If you're not calling it the Matterhorn, though. Pretty sure that called it the Matterhorn on, on the link I saw. They well, the, is the Matterhorn the mountain or the Matterhorn the attraction? But technically, it's in Switzerland. So that's, what, so that's how they're getting away with it. They have the Matterhorn Mountain, and that's why he's signing right. the bottom But of if it. you throw that vehicle on there, you're going to have a problem. So, yep. got it. Fuck that. Give me a hmm. fucking... Uh, if he signed a Doom Buggy, that's what I'd be on top of. <laughs> well, if I come across... Or a, or a scale monorail? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Missing a door. And a window. If I could just get him to oh, sign you, just a monorail door, I think I'd be I was just going to say the same thing. Just sign a monorail door. <laughs> Life-size one. You know, one that fell off the teal or something. You know, we'll re we'll, you know if, if I could get a chance to sit down in front of him, I'd find someone to rebuild me that door one way or the other. Just say, can you sign this? The other thing I can kind of mention is all the rumors that he's been talking about that haven't come to fruition yet, so I don't know if we want to... 
go down that rabbit hole. You know what? Every other Disney news site does. Why shouldn't we? Well, I mean, he was stated as talking about people working on new monorail systems and all this other stuff that just never materialized. So I don't know how much he does still work with Disney. But I have no doubt they've had people working on a new monorail project off and on. And, it, yeah. and like you said, it just hasn't happened. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's cost. And as well as the death buckets are doing right now, they make more sense. Yeah, but like I said, I'm. What when he said there's people working on a new monorail system? I'm sure he's correct, because you know, when Disney is is is, you know, full of money, then they can hire someone to okay, hey, let's we're thinking about doing this. Let us know what the cost is, and the analysis, and so on and so forth. And that, that's just good business sense. If you're thinking about going forward with a new system, like a new monorail system, then you need someone to run those numbers. And since he was the guy for the first one, I'm sure they said, Hey, Bobo, like your form on your free throw. Got a question for you. Again, huh. but this was back in 1952. Things have changed. Yeah. And he's in his late eight, early 80s. I, he, I'd go to him and ask him a question about the monorail. The current one or a new one, though? Well, if they were looking at putting a new one on well, top of the current one and just keep the track but upgrade the system, then maybe you want to ask him, you know, hey, what would you do differently now after it, it's been done? But is that a fair question with the way technology has advanced? Yeah. I, so allegedly, they, they gave the whole thing to Bombardier. Allegedly. That's the rumor. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? He puts his pants on the same way the rest of us do. <sighs> Two legs, same time. Lay on the bed. Jumping. Yep. Feet Praying first. that the button's going to close. <laughs> Not to get somebody's eye. <laughs> This is true. All right. Well, hey, and right now I feel bad that we started with the living legend. <laughs> that was your choice. Yeah, it was that a little backwards. Well, it was a good segue because I caught shit for 10 minutes about chefs aren't Imagineers. Um, well, if you also said that. No. Um, nope. Yeah. Yeah. Keep. Yeah. Okay. This is. But this, do you want me to continue with I I, my other thoughts? I don't. Merchandising has nothing to do with Imagineering. Okay. You, you, you had you had your time, and I have mine. And this is my time. Tim, you're going last. Spoiler alert. Yeah, you always make me go last, so I'm super drunk by the time I mm-hmm. I go. And- yep. <clears throat> okay, so the the, the Imagineer that I actually chose, <laughs> whereas Adam was assigned an Imagineer. Um, <laughs> I chose you know, one. And he chose a chef. No, I did not choose a chef. <laughs> he chose I, I the chose, person responsible for merchandise. I chose quite literally the only other two Imagineers when I, that are like, you know, legendary Imagineers. Just because I always heard, I heard this guy's name in all of the Imagineering episodes on Disney+. And I thought... That I want to know more about this guy. He he sounds Hispanic. Who is this dude? Because his name was always so mysterious. So I chose 
Ex Atencio, which I didn't even know how to spell until I started doing my research. But um, his first name is Francis. Uh, we can call him Frank. He wouldn't like it, but he's dead, so fuck him. But Francis wow. Xavier Atencio was born in 1919, September 4th, 1919, in Walsenburg, Colorado. And uh, went to regular school and everything was cool. He loved art. At the age of 18 years, he moved to L.A., which, my God, how I mean, you have really got to be driven to decide, I'm leaving Colorado for L.A. when you're 18 years old. Yeah, um, not, this not was, anything that Disney would have done. No. Yeah, no. Well, like exactly like you said, this was in the late 30s. You know, in 1937, he moves to L.A. to attend the Schoenard Art Institute. And while he was there, it didn't take him long. He was gently prodded to submit his art portfolio. Sorry. Yeah, well, his, his teachers saw the spark. And no, it just it's the, the, the phrases you used more than anything else. Gently prodded? Yes. Well, that's because that's the <laughs> phrase that I saw used in seven different articles about his early life. <laughs> so I, too, have decided to gently prod him. I knew that was coming. <laughs> um, you know, they, they said, hey, you know what? Take your portfolio. We like what you've done. Submit it to Walt Disney Studios. You're already in Hollywood. And he was like, I don't know. I'll give it a shot. And um, he, he submitted it. And one day he was called down to the studios for a meeting with like three or four of his other classmates. And he thought, I don't have a chance. Why am I even here? But at the end of it, he was offered a position working at Walt Disney Studios. And that resulted in him startling his neighbors as he was living with his aunt in, in uh, L.A. He literally ran home from Hyperion all the way to his neighborhood in Los Angeles. And when he got close enough to the house, he was screaming... I got a job at Disney. I got a job at Disney. And everybody was on their porch listening to him come running in. So that's, that's you know what? Sign me up for that made-for-TV movie about him get, I, being gently prodded. I, I, I just would surprise he wasn't screaming, I need a glass of water. I need a glass of water. Nope, nope. Water would happen. <laughs> but he, he got a job. So um, Atencio would go on to have a career with Disney, a storied career as an animator... <coughs> a designer and stop-motion animator, and then most prominently as an Imagineer. His first job with Disney was actually on the film Pinocchio. Which, thinking back on it, I mean, at the time, he probably wasn't thinking it was a big deal, but thinking about how iconic Pinocchio is, it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of a big deal. You might have heard of me. You wouldn't have. He wasn't. Was, Piona, was Pinocchio a flop then when it came out? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking, I don't know. I think it was. I'm not positive. Well, well, you wouldn't have heard of him Heard of him on that because he wasn't accredited. But uh, he was the second assistant or as he likes to call it in his interviews, he was the in-betweener um, on Monstro the Whale. And then eventually he ended up working on Jiminy Cricket underneath the first assistant animator for those two uh, characters. So he's still the second assistant. He was still the second assistant. <laughs> but because of, of how well he worked and after the success he had on Pinocchio... Xavier ended up getting promoted to the assistant animator position, first assistant animator position, 
on the Fantasia film. And then this little thing called World War II went down, and he got drafted and had to put his animations and everything he was doing on hold, and ended up um, serving as a photo interpreter in the U.S. Air Force from 1941 to 1945. What is a foot? I have to ask, because I don't know what that means. What's a photo interpreter? Well, I went down this rabbit hole, thank you. Because I knew you would, because (laughs) I want to know what it is, so Um, I would have to look that up. You had pilots who would fly, uh, for instance, like a Mustang, a P-51 Mustang. They would fly over German controlled territory no guns only cameras and they would take stereoscopic imagery and the photo interpreters would take that and overlay it and look at the imagery to see exactly what was going on on the ground to figure out where bases were military installations what kind of installation and compare that from one day to the next and so on and so forth so basically he was looking at pictures for five years. Uh, apparently, he did well enough at it because he actually reached the rank of captain. Captain X Atencio in the second photo tech squadron. Was he able to use that name? Probably. I mean, he could have because it's legit. He, he, he got there, but it, it, I mean, you know, he... He, he, he was stationed in England while he was doing this. So, like, the photos would come in, they'd get developed, and he'd get them, and he'd report on them. They'd go back to the front, the FOB, the forward operations. And, 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 I mean, we're talking, like, probably five to six days in between all of that. So it wasn't like he was on the cutting edge, but for 1942, 3, 4, 5, he was on the cutting edge. Uh, he was actually even stationed, believe it or not, in Greenland while they were doing um, surveillance, aerial surveillance analyzation. They pulled him from England and put him for Greenland in a year, which uh, is not very green. It's mostly ice. <laughs> don't, don't believe me? Get a globe. <clears throat> now, when he returned from the war, he just went right back to working at Disney as an animator. Side note, right before he got sent to the war, he was part of the uh, the strike that went on in Hollywood for animators and, and stuff like really? that. Yes, in 41, he's part of that strike. And he says in an interview, he says, I did it because everyone else was doing it. All my, all, all my colleagues were doing it, so I did it. And then he got drafted and went to the war. And then he comes back, and Disney says, hey, you want your job back? <laughs> he's like, okay. <laughs> so he returned from the war and went right back into to animating. He wasn't working on anything big though going into it. He's working on mostly short stories and um, it's during this time which lasted like it was, he was like six years doing shorts, animated shorts before he finally got recognized and his first screen credit came for a short called Toot Whistle Plunk and Boom. Alrighty then. Uh, it was a short that actually won an Academy Award in 1953. So, what award did it win? An Academy Award. <laughs> like for what? <laughs> for the Academy. <laughs> I don't know storytelling. Okay. Because <laughs> that's what he was involved with. You're the king of the rabbit hole. I expect you to know these things. <laughs> uh, and one part of the copy pasta. Um, <laughs> 
So over the next several years, uh, if you watch Disney films, you could see his name pop up as he was contributing in lots of animation sequences. He was uh, part of 1959's Noah's Ark. He was part of the uh, Symposium on Popular Songs, which was a stop animation. He was part, and from 62, and um, both of those were Academy Award nominees. Don't ask me, Adam. And then he was uh, also involved in Jack and Old Mac, which actually came out in 56. But it, that particular animation w is notable because it was based on doodles Walt Disney did during his meetings with his staff. He would doodle. That's awesome. And, uh, Classic yeah. ADD, by the way. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so during these meetings, Walt would just doodle random stuff. And... Uh, Exitensio, another animator, took these doodles and created the uh, Jack and Old Mac uh, animation. And um, then he also worked on the I'm No Fool series for the original uh, Mickey Mouse Club. And then in the 60s, he did a lot of stop motion sequences during like the intros for Disney feature films like The Parent Trap, Babes in Toyland, and Mary Poppins. Nice. And he's not even an Imagineer yet. <laughs> he's just well, a Disney guy. Um, well, I mean, you see, but according to your terms of being an Imagineer, he wouldn't be an Imagineer yet because he hasn't really worked in a park. He hasn't until 19. Well, there hasn't been a park yet, so. Uh, exactly. So quote, Imagineers didn't really exist yet. To quote Eddie Murphy coming to America. Aha! Aha, Eddie! <laughs> <laughs> Is your soup too hot? Is it too cold? What's wrong with your soup? Aha! So, um, at the request of Walt Disney, this is in 1965, X was transferred to Wed Enterprises, uh, which would obviously become Walt Disney Imagineering, and he was asked to work on the Primeval World diorama that was part of, the di part of Disneyland. I want to say the train. Yes, it is part of the railroad. The railroad, yes. And um, it went like this. Walt called him up to his office and said, Well, X, I've been wanting to get to you. Nope. Walt was probably not as drunk as I am. <laughs> I've been wanting to get to I've been you. I've wanting to get to you, X. <laughs> X, go give it to you. He says, Well, X, I've been wanting to get you to wed for some time, and now's a good time to go. And Atencio said, Okay, boss, whatever you say. Because <laughs> you don't tell Walt Disney no. So um, he, he went on to work there uh, on the uh, the Primitive World Diorama. And after that, he got a phone call from Walt when he got to WED. And he said, I want you to do the script for a Pirates of the Caribbean attraction. And at that point on, X cemented his legacy at WED. Uh, he played key role, obviously, in writing the music and dialogue for the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction, it, including he also co-wrote the Rise theme song, Yo-Ho, Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me. He didn't know he could be a songwriter until he, Walt told him, you can be a songwriter. And at that point, he decided, okay, I can be a songwriter. And son of a bitch, he was a songwriter. I mean, they still, they use that in the parades. That's, that's just, it, it's such, it, it's an iconic song. And he had a hand in writing that. 
after that, you know, he went on to work on the Haunted Mansion. He wrote all of the dialogue for the retraction as well as he wrote the Grim Grinning Ghost song. And if you're on the Disneyland Haunted Mansion and it breaks down and it shuts down, the safety spill you get during its shutdown is actually read by Exitensio. Oh, you get I have... I think I actually have that on recording. Uh, you get well if you've written it, then you probably do, because it stops for people to get on and off. Now, no, it's a it's an omni mover. Right, the ride actually has to break down for you to um, get that spiel. Right, that's what I mean. When when that happens, I mean, I, I mean, omni movers have a tendency to to stop whenever persons get on or. If you listen to last week's episode, people who are terrified of Omnimover conveyor belts don't know what to do, and they miss... I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> now, after working on Pirates and Haunted Mansion, you'd think that, uh, you know, that uh, enough is enough, right? But no. Uh, Atencio also had his hands in If You Had Wings and Space Mountain, which were both Magic Kingdom attractions. I don't know anything about if you had wings. If you had wings, I remember this. I it was one of my as a kid again. It was about flying. Oh nope, different show. Okay. Um, <laughs> he also had his fingers in Spaceship Earth, World of Motion, and Mexico, the Pavilion at Epcot. So I tried to find what he did at those and couldn't find specifics, but he helped. Heck, he couldn't even tell me what awards they were nominated for. Nope. Now, in 1984, Francis Xavier Tensio retired from Disney, but continued working as a consultant, which I think is a fancy way of saying, I don't want to do a lot, but I want to get paid. That's what he said. don't call him in for special projects every once in a while, I would assume. And that's the getting paid part. Um, He stayed with Imagineering. He did that for many, many years and was inducted as a Disneyland in 1996, which I think is too damn long in my opinion unless that's when they started doing Disney Legends I'm not entirely sure. I was just sure. going to say I, I want to say the Disney Legends thing is still relatively recent. I, I don't know what the criteria is for becoming a Disney Legend specifically and how long it's... for Winfrey is one. Figure that one out. Now they'll give it to anybody. <laughs> yeah, but I mean there's a, I'm sure there are probably people who need it more than people that don't. Okay. He gave voice to two of the most iconic. He gave a voice to the most iconic attractions on property, both of which spawned major motion picture adaptations. Oh Jesus! I'm not going to go into details at all <laughs> on Haunted Mansion. Um, Atencio passed away September 10th, 2017, at the age of 98. Fucking good on him. 98 years old. How old you know, is Bob a lot of Gurr? these Disney legends look for a pretty decent amount of time, I'm noticing. He, he, You know what? This guy has been able to accept the fact that he is a Disney legend on his own for 20 years, basically, before he passed away. So that's awesome. Now, I know I've talked a lot, but we're only at an hour. I got the hiccups. I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't give you... Son of a bitch. <laughs> Some notable <laughs> questions and answers he did when he had an interview with the uh, D23 back in 2016. 
Oh, you see, I didn't go into all that because uh, I would have been for hours the way Bob Gurr talks. Some of this shit's it's classic, okay? The D23 asks him, do you remember your first meeting with Walt? First time you met Walt. He says, nope, but I remember the first time Walt met me. That's, that's balls. Said he was waiting in the uh, hall for an elevator and Walt came by and waited for the elevator with him. And he says to Walt, hey, Walt. And Walt turns to him and says, hey, X, how are you doing? He says, I thought, oh, my God, he knows me. He knows me. Who the hell am I? And I almost fell on my floor to kiss his boots. Uh, Walt wore boots. That's my takeaway from that. He says, what a feeling that this great man actually knew who I was. And then they ask him, what was the biggest compliment you received from Walt Disney? He says, one time we were in Detroit at Ford making a presentation for Epcot. I made my presentation. After that, we all get back on the plane and we're flying back to New York City see the world's fair walt comes to the back of the plane like the back of the plane because it was an old gulf stream and uh, he he goes back there to the cabin and he took a little nap and after his nap he gets up he walks out draws the curtain open and says to everybody specifically the vice president of advertising and says uh, to card walker which we've covered him before he says open up the bar so everybody gets up and goes to the bar and has drinks on the airplane. Walt puts his hand on my shoulder and says, you know, you did a good job back there, X, but don't let it go to your head. Which, kind of funny. He says, Walt would always uh, give you a compliment on one hand, but he'd challenge you to keep it to yourself. I always remember that little scene of Walt being so personal with me. And I said, what was it like? It's funny how you say that don't let it go to your head but he remembers when Walt Disney met him exactly that's <laughs> I, I love that dichotomy they had between them uh, they said what was it like at WED when you heard Walt was going to come over to the uh, offices I guess where they do their work you know were you nervous he says yeah you'd be nervous first you'd hear that chronic cough and then you'd think here he comes and uh, he never came with an entourage. He was always alone because he wanted to think with everybody working on the floor. He didn't want anyone getting distracted. He wanted to help you think. He says, uh, remember, you'd be at the storyboard and you'd have your back to him and he'd be in his wooden chair. And then you'd hear him tapping his fingers on the arm of the chair and all he was suddenly way ahead of you. And he'd talk about a board further down the sequence than where you were. And he'd say, why don't we take this sequence down and move it back here? And then you think to yourself, why sh didn't I think of that? I should have thought of that, you know? And if, if he was with you and what you were doing, boy, he'd be standing up there dancing through the whole thing. But if he wasn't, he'd be sitting back behind you, coughing with disappointment, tapping on the arm of his chair <laughs> while you were giving your presentation. Subtle hints. Not so subtle, though. Um, I got a couple more. Uh, they ask, why... What did Walt say when you first showed him the Pirates of the Caribbean mock-up you made? And he said, uh, and we covered this in our Pirates of the Caribbean episode about the, uh, you know, pirate cocks that weren't. Um, he said, we mocked it up on a soundstage in full size and pushed him through it and rigged, rigged up a cart that would go about the same pace as the boat. We go through it and we had the auctioneer up there and he said, what do you offer for this buxom witch? And on the other side, a pirate yells, six bottles of rum and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it, uh, it was kind of hard to hear, and I said to Walt, I'm sorry, Walt, you can't hear this stuff too clearly. And he says, if you go to a cocktail party, you tune into one conversation, and then you tune into that one. Every time 
a guest will go through this, they'll hear something new. He says, and I thought, why the heck didn't I think of that? Because that's the way it is. You go through that, that ride. So much is going on with dialogue. It could be different every time you, you go through there so you can hear what else is happening. And that, that's the exact way Walt, uh, Walt... It is one of... That story right there is one of my favorite stories it, it, and just in general yeah, that Walt pure, has ever said. It is it, pure it Walt Disney. It always struck something because it's so true and it's so correct. And it makes the rewritability factor so important. You think something is wrong about something you've poured your heart into and you want to apologize for it, but you have an excellent leader like that that sees this is an opportunity, you know? Um, and then uh, they mentioned in 1997 the, the auctioneer sequence in the Pirates of the Truck. And see, I didn't think they changed it until a couple years ago, but they changed it all the way back in 97. The original, yeah, because I remember going on it as a kid, and the pirates were chasing the women. Yes, uh, they say the auctioneer sequence, uh, the pirate attraction. They changed that the pirates pursued women holding pies, and later they later they also added Jack Sparrow. They asked him, "Do you like the changes?" And hit, I fucking love this. I love this reply. His response is, "I like adding Jack Sparrow." The pirates chasing the gals. Nobody asked me, but my reaction was, this is Pirates of the Caribbean, not Boy Scouts of the Caribbean. Well, the, I mean, and then they totally reversed it, and now the girls are chasing the pirates. Yes. Which is, just makes no sense. And, and you know so. what? Uh, this is a cliche. For, he's rolling over in his grave. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, yeah. I think everybody is at this point. Yeah. Whoever worked on that attraction is. And my last... Uh, quote on here is, is that they ask him do you do you ever wish you were working now with all the new technology he says yes and no granted this is like 2017 2014 something like that he says i enjoy my <clears throat> retirement i paid my dues i remember when i retired imagineer john hinch told me was he an imagineer i hope so I made that part up he says, I don't know. I don't recognize the name. I do. I, he might have been. He said, John Hench told me, you're going to get tired of playing golf. And then you're going to wish. Or he says, and then what are you going to do? And X said to him, I'm going to clean out the garage for one thing. He says, I still haven't cleared out the garage. That's how he ended the, the interview. Is that, you know what? He's still playing golf and living the good life. I mean, not now. He's on that. Yes. He's he's on the I'm 19th sorry. hole in the sky. John Hench was a Imagineer. An Imagineer. Okay. So there you go. Uh, Worked on developer of the hydraulic giant squid in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Okay. And Nautilus 2020 for those at home, I guess. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yeah, that's that's a whole <laughs> lot about Exitensio because I just really wanted to, to learn about him. And it was just a lot of... Dude, he he didn't. He started when he was 18. He like went right from like you know going to college to here's my portfolio. Yeah, come on board. Uh, but he, I don't even think that's college. I think that's like high school. Well, no, he he went to the. But at 18, you're not college age. Yeah, you, you are. are. Not graduating. Did you get held back? Graduating college. No, you would have to be advanced. Yeah, I, I was. I, I'm a September baby, so I got to come in early. Yeah, but still, you didn't graduate college at 18. No, no. Like I said, he didn't even. 
I don't even think he finished college. He was just starting college saying. when he put his portfolio in there. And he was a baby when he got enlisted into Disney and then stayed with it. That's hell of a story. And I thought all he ever did was uh, some stuff on pirates. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware of everything else. And that's why I want to do this. So good, good on you, uh, Atencio, Clan Atencio. Which again, I thought he was Hispanic. Could be Italian. Didn't get that deep into it. Also, I don't know what award he won, other than it was an Any Academy Award for storytelling. What about? Does he have windows? Not anymore. He doesn't. They took his windows down from Main Street. Oh, I, I mean, I, I don't think he's got any windows. I didn't see where he's. He did. You should have windows. I, he has windows. I don't know. I, <laughs> I didn't see that in any of the postmortems I read about him. Yeah, in Disneyland and Magic Kingdom, he's the music musical quill lyrics and librettos by Exitensio. Okay, he has windows, Adam. He got dim windows. In Disneyland, it's above the Opera House, and Magic Kingdom, it's above the Confectionery. Confectionery is where it's at. Okay, well, hey, I talked for three hours. We did not talk. It's such a neat. <clears throat> it feels like it. Every time it's my turn, I think I talk so long. I think I spoke longer than you. We're going to go with that. I'll find out when I edit. <laughs> um, but hey, to complete our trifecta, our hat trick, we have bowled a turkey of Imagineers. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> the best part about that was was the video. No video. <laughs> It's our, it's radio. Nobody saw that. I know. Uh, Tim, you're, you're up. Your turn. Who? What? What? What Imagineer do you have to uh, gild us with tonight? Also, another dead one. <laughs> Marty Sklar. Oh, Mark. Now he died recently, though. Yes. 2017. He was born February 6, 1934, in New Brunswick, New Jersey. He attended University of California, where he was the editor of the school newspaper, The Daily Bruin. In July of 1955, he was recruited by Disney to create the tabloid newspaper for the park, The Disneyland News, which was sold on Main Street the opening year of the park. After graduation, he returned to Disneyland publicity and marketing department, where he established Vacation Land magazine. So he was a journalist. Yeah. Love it. And Vaca- Vacation Land Magazine was a free magazine distributed through the area hotels and motels. It was the only hotel that Disney had at that point was the Disneyland Hotel. So people were staying off property. He joined WDI in 1961 as part of a team assigned by Walt to develop industry-sponsored shows and pavilions for General Electric, Ford, Pepsi-Cola, UNICEF and the state of Illinois at the 1964 and 65 New York World's Fair. And ever since then, Marty served as a key representative working with American industry in developing and sponsoring attractions for Disney parks and resorts around the globe. So he was basically responsible for getting the sponsorships for all the attractions. He also had a hand in developing the Enchanted Tiki Room and It's a Small World. During his early years at Disney, Marty became Walt's right-hand man. He learned 
firsthand Walt's philosophy and translated that into materials and speeches he wrote for Walt, which are used in publications, television appearances, and special films. Among them being the famous 20-minute movie about Walt's vision of Epcot, the experimental prototype community of tomorrow, which was originally intended to help resolve the urban challenges found in American cities. We've all seen that video. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that's played the most, and he wrote that whole thing for him. That's pretty cool. Marty first became an Imagineering officer in 1974 when he was appointed Vice President Concepts and Planning a role in which he guided creative development of Epcot Center at the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. In 1979, he was named Vice President of Creative Development, followed by Executive Vice President in 1982, and he served as President and Vice Chairman from 87 to 96. Wow. Yeah, he he worked for Disney almost until, well, a good while. And he kept just going up. He just kept going up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. As vice chairman, Marty provided leadership for the Imagineering creative staff developing breakthrough entertainment concepts for Disney parks and resorts, including Disneyland Paris, Tokyo Disney Resort, Hong Kong Disneyland, and he was also responsible for the resort hotels, cruise line ships, and created concepts for restaurants, children's museums, and hospitals, traveling shows, and exhibitions. Hospitals. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing children's hospitals. Yeah. I would assume. See, God, this just opens up a, di- a bigger hole I want to dig into. Yeah, and I, I tried to find out more information on that, and I couldn't, given the, the short time frame we had. So in 2001, the company honored Marty with a special award for 45 years of service and leadership, and he was also recognized as a Disney legend. After the 50th anniversary of Disneyland in 2005, he transitioned into a new role as Imagineering's international ambassador. He is the only person to have attended the grand openings of all Disney parks. Wow. Damn, that, you know why you hang your hat on that. That's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, that's that's something to uh, be amazed by. Could you imagine? I would, I would could you imagine being a only person alive, well, not alive anymore, but only person to ever have been at all five, all, what, seven parks now? Well, did he make it to, um... Yeah. Shanghai? Yep. Yep. He, he died a year after. Bucket list. That's all that, that that's what that was. <laughs> yeah. He retired from Disney on July 17, 2009, after 53 years with the company. Jesus. He had a few stocks. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. His impact and achievements were recognized by a number of uh, prestigious awards and accolades, including a Lifetime Achievement Award from Fiend Entertainment Association, induction into the Hall of Fame of International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions, and the prestigious Professional Achievement Award from UCLA. He served as president of Ryman Arts whose Ryman program for the young artist honors Herb Ryman, which is also an artist, designer, and fellow Disney legend. In 2016, Sklar was awarded the Diane Disney Miller Lifetime Achievement Award from the Walt Disney Family Museum. He's also written two books about his experiences and adventures at Disney. 
the first one in 2013 called Dream It, Do It, My Half Century Creating Disney's Magic Kingdoms. And One Little Spark, Mickey's Ten Commandments and the Road to Imagineering in 2015. Don't sing it, Adam. <laughs> I hate you. I hate the both of you. <laughs> Marty passed away on Thursday, July 27th, 2017. And he also has two windows. What is his? Where are his windows located? The one in Disneyland is in City Hall. It's Main Street College of Arts and Sciences, Barton A. Sklar Dean. And in Disneyland Paris, above the Main Street Gazette, it's the Main Street Gazette since 1867. We print the news before it happens. Martin Sklar, Editor-in-Chief. Tony Baxter, Managing Editor. And that's a throwback to the Disneyland newspaper he was tasked to write, which was a... 1890s themed tabloid. Hmm. So, there was a nod to that when he first started. I, I, I don't know how well it probably sold in the parks during the opening year, but I, I, I just I feel like something like that that came out in today's modern age, folks would buy it up, buy them up like crazy. Uh, I don't know. I think people like us would. I, I, I mean, I say I would. I probably wouldn't. I mean, if they came out with a, like a Joe Rody newspaper, I mean, I'd get every issue. I would read it. I mean, it just the, the interesting facts behind it. I, I enjoy that, so I would definitely check that out. I think one of my favorite pictures of Martin Sklar is of him standing over the X when they were building Cinderella Castle. That is awesome. I know exactly the picture you're talking about. I... He just... He had such a long career with the company. I'm... St- long story Storing, he, yeah. He I, I just... I'm beginning to get more and more pissed off about this whole Disney legend business. He should have been in there before. I, I don't know. I... Next thing you know, you're going to tell me Martin Short's Disney legend at this point. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think he is. He voiced an attraction. He was in a bunch of movies. What other Disney movies were he in? Well, there were, I don't think they were necessarily Disney movies. They were probably uh, Viacom and... Oh, this Disney's... Touchstone. Yeah, yeah. Point of yeah. Vista subsidiaries. I got you then. Well, okay, Adam, I'm going to ask you this. Of the three Imagineers we covered this evening, whether it was oh, Bob Oger, Exitensio. Bob Oger? Bob Oger. Yes. Bob Ogenkirk. Uh, whether Why does mine get Bob... his name picked on? <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> Bob Ger, Exitensio, Marty Sklar. Who, who do you think ranks highest? Jesus, that's not a fair question at all. It's not, but, you know, we got 10 minutes. That's, no, I'm not answering the fuck you. I'm not answering that question. I'm I'm getting the fuck you. How the fuck, no, they did so much important shit. How can you compare, like, there's no way to even compare or, like, subtract one. Take one out, and then whatever they contributed no longer exists. Well, you can't do that. 
No, exactly because, my because point. Because you lose most of each, most of the parks, all of the parks. Okay, so that's exactly my point. So how does it sit there and say which one's most important? Okay, then, okay, I like the point you've made, and um, I think it, it is a good showcase for how Imagineering was done in the uh, 60s and, and 70s, I guess, where they pretty much worked together. Like, everybody had a hand in everything. Well, I have a better question. False. No, C. it's not a yes or no question. C. It's not a false question. It's not a C question. Do you think anybody besides Joe Road right now is a will be a star or somebody we're talking about in this kind of fashion in the coming 20 years or so in Imagine in Disney Imagineering? I don't know any other Imagineer currently working by name. No, but uh, but I'm just saying like, but there but there's. Do you think that? there's not going to be another household like kind of name when you look at Disney history. I am honestly amazed by the number of people who don't know what a Joe Rody is that work in the parks. Worked in the parks. Employed by Disney. Yeah, the only ones that I've come across that know who he is are the ones that work in Animal Kingdom. I want to say there are more now than when we first started realizing who he was because he's a lot more important now. Well, and you know what? They did they did feature him in the Imagineering story mm-hmm. on Disney Plus, so folks are taking notice of uh, the earring that's in Imagineering. Womp womp womp. Hey, yeah, that's that's his quote, not mine, brother. <laughs> it's still a womp womp. Oh, it's a womp womp. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I, I I don't know who worked on the Ratatouille ride. Well, the Ratatouille ride is a redo. Right, but even in France, I don't know who worked on that. <clears throat> I don't think we would know, like, because it's in France, I don't think we would know unless he did a lot of other, th- whoever it was did a lot of other things. I don't think that this is going to be such a thing because we're not creating new parks from the ground up. I, I don't, I yeah, I mean, right now, the way technology moves so much faster than it did, it's hard to think. Okay, I'm getting a whole. I'm getting this team of forward thinkers right now. Everybody's a forward thinker if they can look back on what's happened in the past. Then they can. I mean, look at the three of us. We come up with shit all the time, and you know, some of us go a little too deep in you know the engineering and physics of the things. Uh, but it's like that's what a lot of these Imagineers did uh, in the 60s, you know and and now I mean, anybody can do that, if you, if you have a bit of an imagination and, and, and you know how to tell a story and stuff like that so I think there's so many people working in, in you know, what Disney would consider their Imagineering division that you they wouldn't be able to, you know, put these people out because they're not necessarily doing groundbreaking work, except for the folks that worked on Flight of Passage. That was some groundbreaking stuff, and I couldn't tell you who did it. It wasn't Joe Rody. I think we're losing the edge to Imagineering. I think it's become more about the technology and not the story. Yeah. 
Yeah, because the story is the property. Well, not even that. It's like, I don't know what I'm more... I'm, I'm impressed with the thrill aspect of Flight of Passage. I'm not necessarily buying into the story 100%. I love the, I love the attraction, don't get me wrong, but... If it was something else, the first the instinct was, well, okay, now how does this work? I, well, I mean, I would even go over to Magic Kingdom or the other parks where they have the Tron coaster. What's the story behind that business? I mean, how are you going to put me in this, you know, in this story when I when I get on this, uh, you know, light speeder I mean, bike I, I, thing? I can't talk for that because I don't know what that's going to look like right now. I, I just don't know. I don't know if it's a rehash of what exactly they have in Shanghai or if we're getting something different because this seems more enclosed. Yeah, it does. But So, I, 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 who knows what the story is going to be? Who knows what? I mean, there's the pre, the queue or the pre-queue or whatever the heck you want to call them at this point, what all that's going to look like right now. I think they learned a little bit from Slinky Dog where the queue for Slinky Dog is not enough. No. So I think they had to kind of redraw this and think about what the... I hope they thought about what this queue is going to look like. I would like something a little more interactive or that that brings you into it, you know, similar to what you have in the pre-show and the pre-queue Flight of Passage. Not necessarily as deep as uh, Rise of the Resistance, but just make me feel like I'm doing something and contributing to this attraction. Even if it's just Easy, a roller but, coaster. But I don't even know what the... For me, I ran through the queue of Flight of Pat, um, not, uh, Rise of the Resistance. I don't remember there being... I don't remember the queue at all, I'll be honest. Because it, the attraction just opened up right before I got on it. What made the pre-show areas for me was the interaction with the cast members at that point. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to get that fleet of cast members in Magic Kingdom. So, but but that's exactly my point. I don't know, like, the story there starts during the pre-show. I don't know if it starts during the queue. I think when you're basing rides off of movies, then the story part of Imagineering is not... It, it, you mean you, you're kind of killing it because most I of the disagree. Well, most of the story is already there. You're just trying to find a way to work it into a ride. I just, but um, no, because I didn't feel that on on Rise. I really didn't. I, I felt Rise was an amazing attraction. I was bought in on that attraction. I did. Of course, I want to know how a lot of it works, but I wasn't needing to look behind me to see how it worked. I mean, I, I get that. I'm just like, you know, Star Wars was already an existing entity and everything. I, I mean, I mean, compared to Pirates of the Caribbean wasn't a thing when it came out. Haunted, Man- Haunted Mansion wasn't a thing. But now a lot of these new rides come in are based off of existing IPs with its own backstory that's already been built up by people who weren't Disney Imagineers. So they're just kind of adapting that to make it a ride. But I think that's where they have to work harder to have me buy it in. Mm. That That's where the disconnect is. That's where I think my disconnect is from a lot of Pandora is that the backstory doesn't make necessary the sense, like, 
the attractions in Pandora are amazing, don't get me wrong, but I don't have that buy-in when I'm walking through that queue. I get it on Flight of Passage myself, but there's nothing for Navi. Move around a bit. That move around a bit room wasn't in the movie. Wasn't kind of explained why I'm kind of waiting in this tunnel. Like, if, if they did an amazing thing with showing me and, like, kind of half-heartedly explaining it to me, would I prefer maybe some sort of announcement telling me what I'm looking at? Or just a button where I can hit, like, in a museum and it, it explained to me a little bit more what I'm interacting with? Might have helped a little bit for me. Here's our made-up name for this ferrofluid you're looking at. But really, it's <laughs> just a magnetized suspension. No, but, but give me the... All right, ferrofluid, fine. Tell me why it acts this way. Give me some story behind it. Don't just show me something that I kind of know what it, how it works. Give me the buy-in. I will let you take that up with Joe Rody, sir. I I will if he ever gave me the opportunity. But that's where you that's where you lose me. It's like if you're gonna make it a museum, make it a museum. Make it like how every other museum is. You hit a button, you hear a story. Like the pre-show for dinosaur. Or or I can pull it up on my phone. But I know the pre-show for dinosaur. I will read the plaques every once in a while. Like, or when I'm waiting in that area, the rotunda, I would read the plaques yeah. there. So I'm one of those kids. I'm one of those guys that will sit there and take some time to educate myself about what I'm looking at. I mean, there's not a whole lot else to do while you're waiting. You, you kind of hope when you get to the next exhibit so you can see what it is. <laughs> but it's the same thing in Flight of Passage. You're waiting to see what everybody else is looking at. And then, yes, I understand what a sine wave is, but tell me why this is important for this land. It's not. It's, it's not. That's not. It just looks cool, and it takes up, like, eight feet of space. But but then tell me what. But then you should make a backstory for it. Don't throw something in just because it looks cool. Create a backstory. Create something. Make something up. This is why we go to Disney, is to buy into the story. My two cents. I'm getting off my soapbox now. Oh, yeah. No, you've been on it since I started talking, and I said that a chef was an Imagineer. (laughs) Speak. And I went down a click hole of Disney Legends. What'd you find? (laughs) What'd you find, Tim? It started in 1987. The first one was Fred McMurray, who played the absent-minded professor. I guess we should have started with him. He wasn't an Imagineer. (laughs) No, he wasn't. He was an actor. The class of 89, with the exception of, of Iwerks, were all Disney's nine old men. Oh, okay. And then it just, is a, from there on, is a hodgepodge of Imagineers, attraction people, music, publishing, film and TV. And on the special years, like class of 1997, to celebrate Disneyland Paris' fifth birthday, they were all of European origin. So all European Euro Disney stuff. Same thing in 2002 to celebrate Walt Disney Studios Park opening. They were all of European origin. It talks about the fight with Roy and Bob Iger. So that was really a crazy time. I remember. Yeah, Michael Eisner and Bob Iger presented instead of Roy. Yeah, it's, it's just a hodgepodge of... I was looking for... 
Martin Short, he's not on here, but Steve Martin is. And the the cast of Golden Girls. Well, yeah, cast of Golden Girls, hands down. What did Steve Martin do? Attractions. He's he's only here for attractions. Hmm. I don't remember what attraction he was in. Do they have, have uh, the that most up. recent inductees? Uh, well, they have the class of 2019, and it is a really hodgepodge. Uh, Christina Aguilera. Uh, okay, she was a she was a mouse club. She was a musketeer. Yeah, musketeer. Wing T. Chow, Parks and Resorts. No idea who that he is. He could have been Robert the guy Downey in the Imagineering Jr. story who was talking about Shanghai and Hong Kong. Probably. Yeah, the guy from University of Berkeley, yeah. So, Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> James Earl Jones, okay, John okay. Favreau, yes. Bette Midler, Kenny Ortega. Wait, wait, wait. Bette Midler? Hocus yeah. Pocus. Bette Midler. Yeah. That's it? That's it. No, um, it wasn't Beaches as a Touchstone film. Oh, okay. Well, That's you know, two and, and here's my... So you and she's, probably been, other, she's probably been other things. Is Daryl Hannah then? Maybe. Well, not well. Only only when she wears the butt mullet no. because they photo <laughs> they did some touch up work on Splash to give her more hair on her ass when she runs off. Yes, but they also did some touch up work on fucking Lilo and Stitch, which makes no sense. Uh, but that's yeah. besides. So. I, I, do you think Marvel actors should be Disney? Oh, Downey Ming- did other things. What? I can't think of them off the top of my head. I know then he was he in should, other if things. If you can't think of them, then he shouldn't be a legend. Okay, well, let's see. All I gotta do is click on his link the, and tell me what he was in. The three of us can't think of one for Steve Martin. It's Attractions. I, <laughs> listen, okay. I didn't go to Google Disney it. until like five years ago, so Attractions okay, for me it. is, you know, he, if he wasn't there, he wasn't there. No, I want to say... And he saved... I mean, when you think about it, he pretty much saved Marvel. Well, okay, I get that, but that was... Did Disney own Marvel then? Yes. I don't know. I still. Eh. I mean, or if they were in talks to buy it. It was something. It was released. But I'm fine with. I mean, I'm not. I'm okay with Favreau. Maybe, maybe he got it for Tropic Thunder. Who knows? Not really a Disney film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Oprah Winfrey. And see again, that's an ABC thing. Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, it's an ABC thing. I not even remotely a Disney thing. Disney legend. She was in Lion King. That's the only. What? Oh, that... that's right. Yeah, she was in Lion that's King. That's it. I don't see the le... the eh, Disney legend. We've talked about some yep. Disney legends tonight, and that's why I wanted to see what the most recent inductee list looked like. Oh, actually, I think it tells you what they're. Let's see. Hold on. Tim, I didn't check to see what award. Homeboy one, you ain't gonna tell me what they were inducted for. <laughs> all you're gonna do is make me look worse. But I mean, they didn't induct all the Avengers. They just did him, so there has to be a reason behind it. Well, he, yeah, because he's the highest paid Avenger. Yeah. <laughs> I think he had a hand too in like um, he producing had, the movies. Yeah, he had, there was some. That's their apology for Iron Man three. Hmm. I don't remember Iron Man. Exactly. Please. Give me America's ass. Captain America. <laughs> oh. Now, you know, and I just remember why Steve Martin was is this legend. 
he worked at the magic shop. Oh, that's right. Disneyland. He was. He was. He was a cast member. Yes, mm -hmm. but what else? He was a monorail and steam locomotive operator. Okay. And, be and then he went on to bigger and better things. And became famous. That's it. <laughs> then, he, then he learned to play the banjo and wore an arrow on his head. I think he might have something in Fantasia 2000. <laughs> I think that's the only move, Disney movie that I can think of right off the top of my head. And possibly well, so here's Mama his, uh... from the Chain might have been Touchstone. Oh, wait. Parenthood. What was that? Who released Parenthood, do we? Uh, Father of the Bride, Fantasia 2000, yeah, yeah. and Bringing Down the House. Bringing Down the House with Queen LaFucking Tifa. And he co-starred with Donald Duck in a special film made for the golden anniversary of the park Disneyland the first 50 magical years. Is there is Ernest uh, P. World a uh, legend? Can, no. No. Can you, is Jim Varney in there anywhere? No. That's 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 some fucking bullshit right there. <laughs> he had his, right, he so had his own going down this fucking rabbit he hole. He had his own TV special for Splash Mountain's opening. Who would you announce if you had to choose one? Who would you choose for a new Disney legend? Jim, you can't say Chris Pratt. Jim Varney. Besides Jim Varney, take those two off your Why list. Why does he have to come off the list? Because you already said his name. I, yeah, because Toy uh, Story. Nope, dead. And gone. Next. That's not even fair, man. Life's not he, fair. He earned it. Suck it up, Buttercup. Let's go. He's dead. He's earned it. Suck it up, Buttercup. Let's go. All right. I don't know what that hole we just went down for. We went. We went down a legend <laughs> hole. Is what we did. It was a legendary hole. We went at. Well, that. What the problem is if you get me started. The problem is with the th three of us, really, is that we start looking up stuff that links us to other stuff. This is why research for this show takes so fucking long sometimes. So. And why topics get canned the last minute. It's six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but with Disney legends. Pretty much. And actually, better act. Oh, that could be an actual fun oh, show. Oh, God. Tim? <laughs> it's 11.30 and you got to get up tomorrow. <laughs> no, not today. Not for today's show, like a future show. Oh, man. Well, that, you know, while I really enjoyed learning about other Disney Imagineers, the last 15, 20 minutes was probably a lot more fun. <laughs> Pretty much. And this is what happened. Because it was live as it was happening, and I, I'll leave it in there. I mean, who knew the Golden Girls were Disney legends? Uh, I love because that. Because they, love they, that, had, they had a Disney special. They rode Space Mountain. And, well, they were. Uh, what if it's on the pictures? Well, but the other thing. And you, at one point, they their house was on the. It was back Hollywood back. Studios. It lot. was it was right back there by Ernest's house in Ernest Saves Christmas. Let it go. I can't. Go. I can't, man. I. You know what? I watched. <laughs> I saw a little bit of Toy Story two the other day, and I was like, God, I miss that guy. I'd like an Ernest Saves Anything right now if it was made currently. Um, that would be kind of creepy. Well, I mean, okay, it would I need be... to get off the site because Suzanne Lucci is a fucking Disney legend. Um, <laughs> hi. Do you know how much they relied on her for fucking ABC? She, fucking... Couldn't, she couldn't get a fucking Emmy, but she's a Disney legend. Everybody knows who the fuck she is. Yep. yep. She got two C's in her name. Well, she floated Everybody that knows who opera. that lady is. Everybody knows who that lady is. 
Yep, even I do, and I don't pay attention to anything. So, all right, so we talked uh, Imagineers, we talked Legends, and all of our Imagineers were eventually Legends, and then, you know, we got some Legends who just showed up. Uh, we got one Imagineer who's still alive. Th this, this was all over the board tonight with Imagineers. Um... And that's that's pretty cool, Bob Gurr. If you're out there listening to this, thank you for your work. Uh, and if you want to come on the show anytime, just reach out to one of us. How can they find? How can you find us, Mikey? Well, I'm located in Greenwood, Arkansas. No, oh. to come on the show. Okay, if you, listen. If you want to be a part of this, it, we we ain't hiding. Uh, send an email to the number three sheets to the mouse at gmail.com. You can send me a text at 407 906 4698 or you can blow everyone's ever loving mind and request to be a member of the Three Sheets the Mouse Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash three sheets Bob you or voicemail you ain't got to answer the questions you can yeah leave a voicemail at the same 407-906-4698 listen you can there are there's no shortage of ways to reach out and touch any of us And that goes for anybody listening. Just, uh, just don't reach out right now because we've got to keep your distance. You've got to reach out within six feet, one inch of us, and and get a hold of us, and we'll we'll be there. But we won't. We'll stay home. Um. Yeah, Bob, I, I'm waiting on a call. You just you just just look us up. Someone tag him in this shit so we can get a good interview, and then I'll re-release everything and make it sound much better. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hey, just thank everyone for listening. This show ended up being a lot more fun uh, than, honestly, I was expecting it to be. It wasn't just facts. We ended with uh, with just some some good some good old fashioned three sheets chatter. So I'm going to turn it over mm. right now, Tim. Uh, you were, you know, literally swimming through the ocean last week. In last week's episode, you couldn't give us any closer remarks. Yeah, I, I got my, my mic all filled with salt water. <laughs> well, no, to, to be fair, nobody nobody told you that you were on a show while you were stranded on that island. To be fair. To be fair. So how about you uh, lead us off with closings this week? Well, a bunch of us this past week signed up for the Summer Virtual Series. Oof. So keep an eye on the finish line page. We're going to try to get some group runs together, even if they're virtual, and through maybe... You know, bring your phone and Skype with some other runners, or if this, you know, we're able to get some local runs together, then maybe Skype groups. Who knows? We're gonna try to get this thing done together and make it a good time and make it like an actual run Disney event since Star Wars was canceled for a lot of people. So look up, look up to the page for that coming soon. We'll get that organized and get it to you. I think uh, Stephanie's trying to run with Jennifer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're trying to do something in the Northeast here with the Paganos and awesome. a couple other people. So That's cool. That's cool. And hey, you know what? If you want me to run with you, don't worry. I won't be anywhere near you, so we will still be socially distancing because I am slows. No, I am slows compared to some of these slows. other runners we are talking to lately. Dude, we, I am super hey, slow. We, we damn near got some Kenyans in this finish line group with, with their paces. It's unreal what some of you guys are putting up, and that's yeah, seriously, eight minute miles. I can't, I can't drive a mile in eight minutes where I live. 
and there's like 8,000 people here, so good, good, good on you guys. Good, uh, good, good remarks, Tim. Uh, yeah, the, the finish line is, it has definitely been hopping, uh, here in the last couple of weeks, because some folks have realized I got nothing to do right now, so I can run or I can exercise, and then you got folks like me are just trying to find a way to stay motivated, and it's, it's been a big help there, so three sheets to the finish line, look it up on Facebook, it's definitely where you want to be if you're looking for a, uh, supportive, uh, solid group that wants everyone to yeah. succeed in their, uh, uh, whether it's it any weight loss, it's just you know just exercising and and, and yeah, exercise and any, fitness. Yeah. Anything anything you do to do to be healthy. Yeah. We're not like those other Disney group, the Disney running group that will bag on you for asking a simple question or something that they think you should know. We, there's no simple stupid questions in our group. Everybody's supportive and helpful, and you won't get ragged on. Yeah, the finish line is where you go to pretend like you're healthy, and then the regular three sheets group is where you go to. To show all the beer you've been drinking. <laughs> Drink it all the way. <laughs> so, for those of us that are members of both, we know you lying. <laughs> uh, Adam, you got uh, closers for us tonight. Well, Tim stole mine with the running group Good job, Tim. and the virtual runs. Job, I'm looking forward to doing all that with as many people as we can, even if we have to have staggered starts to keep our six feet apart. And, you know, the fast people go first and then, you know, we'll figure it all out. But um, everything is, we also have some major events coming up. There's a group of us who I know Star Wars has just canceled. So our next big race meetup will be for the Wine and Dine events. It's villain themed. I'm pretty sure all the races are sold out at this point. But we can always use Cheer Squad down there. And right after that, we have BF. Oh my gosh, now I have the hiccups. BFF coming up right behind it. So it's going to be a pretty busy week in Disney for Sheeters that week. A pretty busy week in Disney in general, I expect. I would be sad if it wasn't. I know. I, it, listen, we all deep down hope for low crowds, but at the same time, I think I think deeper down, we just want to be there and hope everyone else being there can have as good a time as the rest of us. Regardless of whether you're going there for a race or just to be a cheer squad or hang out or whatever, it's right now we just want to go back. We want to get back back to the uh, uh, the the normalcy that is, you know, traveling a thousand plus miles to spend eighteen dollars on a mixed drink. <laughs> you know, and be elbow to elbow with people trying to get on public well, transportation. At least you get a double shot for that. That's right, you get the double. Um, and, and that's that's what I want to want to close with on my end is just uh, we all want to go back, and it's going to happen. Um, do yourself a favor. Don't believe everything you you read on Facebook, and for the love of God, don't just turn around and share it if you've not done any research on it, because unless it's coming from Disney, Disney Parks blog, or some, uh, you know, officially di- official Disney website. It's probably not true, and it exists solely to generate ad revenue based on clicks and links mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And all you're doing is pissing people off when, when that stuff gets shared. So just uh, do your due diligence. Uh, make sure you've actually got news. If, it, if it's not coming from someplace reputable, 
then just keep an eye on it because maybe it shows up in the next hour or so. Because it's, it's listen, I don't want to say that Disney news sites get it wrong every time. Sometimes they have actual news out there that's later released by Disney. But realistically, just just eh, keep an eye on it and, and, and don't be, you know, sharing it and letting everybody know that Disney's not opening until 2025. Because not going to happen. Sorry. Common yeah. sense, people. But with that said, and our little bit of housekeeping out of the way with... <laughs> With, with, with that, uh, gentlemen, thank you for being on tonight and not holding uh, last week's show against me. I hope you all got the salt out of your pores, the sand out from between your toes, and Tim, I'm glad you're back to not having to eat fish to survive. Again, thank you, and this is not goodbye. It's see you real soon, so good night. Later. Ciao. And thank you! Ciao!